Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm Mark Anthony, and this is Demolition News Radio, episode 110. In this episode, when is big enough? This podcast is sponsored by WillowHire.com, the UK's leader in dust suppression equipment. Kick the dust into touch with our new, bigger and better all-in-one dust suppression units for hire. Call Willow on 01582 840045. The last time I set foot on a ride demolition site was in October 2016. The company was in the early stages of demolishing the bowling ground, spiritual home of my beloved West Ham United. And while they did a very good and very sensitive job of it, it's taken me this long to forgive them. Earlier this week, however, I finally relented and paid a visit to one of their sites in North London, where they're taking down a huge medical research facility. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about is how a demolition company makes that tricky transition from medium to large organisation without losing some of the attention to detail that helped make it a success in the first place. While I don't think this is a problem facing ride demolition specifically, they're a very good example of where the hands-on approach and the personal touch has truly paid dividends. Demolition News Radio, the independent voice of the global demolition industry. Due entirely to my inability to manage a calendar, I arrived on the site in Mill Hill a full 24 hours early. With many demolition firms the size of Ride Demolition, this would have meant the managing director was elsewhere, working in the office, visiting other sites, or working on their golf handicap. But not Simon Barlow. Perma-tanned and ever-smiling, Barlow was on site regardless of my presence. He is very much a hands-on demolition man, a fact that becomes increasingly evident as we walk around the massive site. Barlow, it soon becomes clear, has the eyes of a hawk and the brain of a particularly attentive and pedantic health and safety officer. He is constantly adjusting perimeter fences, speaking to the numerous excavator operators about the best and safest approach to the next portion of work. He shouts to get a man operating a hose to wash the windscreen of one of the machines. He calls for another to relocate the Dahako dust suppression unit. He chats to the client's project manager and to a member of the specialist remediation team working on the site. And that's all within the first hundred yards of our site walk. Barlow says that this is one of the key factors in Ride Demolition's continued success. Clients appreciate being treated like they're important, which they are, he says. By being on site regularly, or in some cases, constantly, shows just how seriously we're taking their project. Of course, this approach has additional and more tangible benefits too. Problems and project pinch points can be discussed and resolved on the spot and don't have to wait for a planned meeting to roll around. Even though he has assembled a very good crew, including some first-class site supervisors, there is much to be said for having the managing director taking such an active role. And then there's the camaraderie. I was there when the lads, and in this instance they were all lads, broke for lunch. Everyone, from the man responsible for the dust suppression hose, through a number of excavator operators, a range of site supervisors, and the MD himself, all gathered together. This was not so much an open door policy. This felt more like a group of friends meeting for lunch in the middle of the working day on what just happened to be a demolition site. The site itself was huge. The equipment, particularly the Liebherr High Reach and the new Akada attachments, were all superb. Yet my lasting impression of the site was one of unity, of everyone pulling together and actually appearing to enjoy their work. 
But how do you maintain that level of attentiveness, that hands-on approach, when you take the next step up in your company's development? Demolition News Radio is the podcast of demolitionnews.com and the Demolition Magazine. There is a strange thing that happens in the publishing world. Although it's not always the case, the best writer on any given publication often rises to the position of editor. But at the point that he or she does so, they immediately start to write less. They become caught up in planning meetings, discussions with publishers and advertising people, ensuring that features are finished on time and that freelance contributors hit their deadlines. In short, they stop doing the very thing that elevated them to their lofty position in the first place. And that is an issue facing demolition companies making the transition from medium or large to seriously big. If your company is running three or four projects within 30 miles of your home base, then it's entirely conceivable that directors can visit each site daily. But if that operating radius swells to 50 or 100 miles, daily visits suddenly become problematic or even impossible. Equally, if three or four concurrent projects suddenly becomes 10 or 15, then a director might be lucky if he or she sees all the sites firsthand at all. That personal touch that won the project in the first place, that attentiveness and that presence upon which the company's reputation was forged, is suddenly lost. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe site supervisors and middle managers will rise to the challenge in the absence of a director breathing down their neck. Maybe their skills will be honed if they're required to take direct responsibility. But how does the client react to that, particularly one that's been with you while the company has been growing and has, therefore, grown accustomed to having senior directors on site with their sleeves rolled up? It's a challenge that has faced the demolition fraternity for many years. And it's a challenge that looks set to stick around for years to come. And maybe that explains why there is such disparity in the league table of UK demolition contractors. For every multi-million pound Premier League team like Erith, McGee, DSM and Kelpbray, there are a dozen or more lower league teams, and I'm saying lower league in inverted commas here, that are getting by on a turnover that wouldn't even cover the director's wages at one of the elite firms. Be sure to check out Demolition TV on YouTube, the only YouTube show dedicated to demolition. I guess ultimately, it comes down to just where your ambitions lie. There are some firms and some directors that seem to thrive on constantly feeding the monster they've created, constantly seeking the next area of growth, constantly striving for the next hike in turnover and profit. And then there are those that are content to keep their business manageable, staying true to their roots and maintaining the hands-on approach that won their first contract and which has won them work ever since. Simon Barlow says he has no desire to be the biggest, but he'd like to be the best. The best demolition company, like Beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. It's entirely subjective. But if demolition plaudits were handed out for focus, approachability and on-site unity, Simon Barlow and the Rye Demolition Team would be well on their way. As for those that believe bigger is best, compromise and a loss of that personal touch might be the only solution. Thanks for listening. Demolition News Radio, dedicated to demolition.